John 10:14 through 17. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. Okay, we're not going to start off with the Pledge of Allegiance today, but at this moment, I bet any one of us could recite those words to the entire Pledge of Allegiance without any thought, just from rote memory that we could come up with that and do that. Right? You agree? Right. I know that when I do the flag salute, when we do it daily at school, I'm paying attention to those words, and when I'm saying those words, I'm trying not even to follow the cadence of the words, because that helps me fall into the trap of just doing it from memory, not from the heart. So I think about those words. The same as I was referring to songs, too. Um, that I listen to songs, I listen to the lyrics to see what the real meaning is in those lyrics. And not only Pledge of Allegiance, but I bet a bunch of you could probably finish the verse to this Beatles hit song. Let's see if you can do it. Well, shake it up, baby, now. Yeah, I heard a twist and a shout. Okay, yeah. It's a little more exciting in the song than you did it, but that's all right. Anyway, maybe that's reflecting our generation here. It's clear that there are things that are ingrained in our heads or etched in our hearts and brains and memories that we know. And maybe we don't know why we know those things. Maybe it's a nursery rhyme you learned as a kid. And maybe it's a catchy jingle from a TV show or uh, from a commercial or a radio, a radio announcement or something like that. Or maybe it's something that's trending now, as they say on social media. Let's see if you can finish these. Um, here's one. Have it your way at... Burger King. Where? Wait, what was the not Burger King answer? <laughs> I didn't know there was another. Okay. All right. Have it your way. That's fine. How about this one? Oh, what a feeling. Uh-oh, dating myself. What car model? What car make? Oh, what a feeling. Guy jumps up in the air. Toyota. Do you remember that? No. Oh, that's fine. Maybe I watched different programs than you did. And then one more. The annoying, can you hear me now? Oh, that's so annoying. Okay. But anyway, we remember those things either because they're catchy or because we've been ingrained in those things as sayings or as phrases. Just like the flag salute, if you've gone to school in America for the last, well, I don't know, since 1892 when it first came out, you know the Pledge of Allegiance. And maybe it's different versions over the years too. Anyhow. Here's a scripture that I bet many of you either learned in Sunday school or maybe memorized at a time of deep sorrow or have heard in funerals. Um, But how deeply do you understand this particular scripture? I'm going to read it, just a part of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the shadow of the valley of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And of course, you know there's more, and some of you may even have the rest of it memorized. But let's try another fill in the blank from memory of of the first three sentences in the Lord's Prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23. Follow along with me if you can. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside quiet waters. Think about how you know the rest of this psalm. Memorized it in Sunday school, maybe? I know for me, when I was a kid, in school you could buy a little bracelet that would go, it could be like an ID bracelet, but it also would have a verse or poem or whatever your parents said, put on that bracelet for my kid. Mine had Psalm 23. And I wasn't really a spiritual kid at the time, but I remember that bracelet that I wore. It was like a stainless steel bracelet, and it had all of Psalm 23. And I would, I would look at it and, and remember it. I would have memorized it there even subconsciously, that this bracelet was on my wrist, and it was a reminder that the Lord loves me and the Lord restores my soul and that he was with me. I didn't have the depth of that when I was maybe six, seven, eight years old when I had that bracelet. My mom probably still has it, and I'll probably get it next week now that I'm talking about it, so she'll probably return it to me. But maybe you've heard this psalm also at a funeral. One time I was asked to officiate at a memorial service for an older cousin who had passed away. And when we finished the service, everybody had done their sharing and their speaking and all that. They announced that they would be going to the graveside service. And I said, what graveside service? And they said, the one that you were going to officiate at. And I said, okay, yes, that one, yes, I will do that. And it was Psalm 23 that came to mind that I knew by rote, not so much in my heart, but I knew it enough by memory to be able to expound on that and to have that as a graveside service verse that was, was the, the footprint for the rest of that service there. So that's how well a lot of us know Psalm 23. It's the most commonly quoted psalm in Scripture. In fact, it was written by King David who started out as a shepherd boy. He took care of sheep. He knew well how sheep behave and what they need. He knew their quirks. So he writes this psalm as a king. But now going back to his roots... He's writing from the perspective of a sheep. You'll find, you'll find references to sheep in the Bible over 200 times because it's an analogy for who we are in God's eyes. And sometimes those verses aren't so positive in their view of sheep, and sometimes they are totally about God's care of his people. And David reflects that we're all like sheep that need a shepherd. And that God is the good shepherd who knows us intimately and how to care for us and how to console us. When I was in high school, I lived across the river over there in Columbia. And one of my side jobs was caretaking on a ranch. And it's a ranch that overlooks Gold Springs. You can still see it today. There's more houses there now. There's more development around there. And I don't know if the sheep are there any longer. But on the ranch, there were cows, there were chickens, and there were sheep. And in retrospect, I learned how much smarter and fearless cows and chickens are than sheep. One time when I tried to hop up on a cow to ride it, it was smart enough to know to buck me off and kick me. Sheep don't do that to you. I learned that chickens are pretty territorial about their food. As soon as you walk into their pen with a plate of old vegetables, they're all over you, and they'll peck each other too to get that food. They know how to defend and fend for themselves. Sheep, not so much. I don't want to say they're dumb, but I will say they're um, maybe fearful and uncertain at oftentimes. And the sheep, when I went to care for them, they'd often look at me and then run away, even if I had food or even if I was trying to save them from harm. Anyway, on the ranch, the flock that I attended needed the most care and the most attention and most protection of all animals on that ranch. I fed them. I checked their pastures for dangers like fence breaks, coyotes, Predators, other predators, 
holes they could fall into, etc. I even cleaned their barn stalls out while they slept at night, and those are some stinky stalls, I'll tell you. I often had to get in front of them, too, if they, especially if they got on the other side of a fence, and get in front of them and basically scare them back to, back to their stalls, back to their barn, because they would not go on their own. They did not know to do that. They needed a lot of guidance. And when they got outside the fence line, I'd either run fast or jump on a little ATV, Honda ATV and zoom out in front of them to get ahead of them and then try to redirect them back to safety. And so a lot of this redirecting happened where I'm out there and trying to you know, get in front of the sheep and I, I alone was trying to guide them back to where they needed to be back in safety. It was, it was not easy. So if you've ever met a sheep, you notice that they don't have claws, they don't have sharp teeth or fangs, they really are pretty defenseless animals. And you've never seen a show that's called America's Sheep Got Talent, right? They're not smart enough even to be in a circus. So they're kind of helpless little critters. But they do get to know their owner and their master after a while. When they, are, when they encounter something uh, that might be dangerous to them, they kind of freak out. I've seen them just stop or freeze or run the wrong direction to run toward the danger. I even know of instances where sheep have followed other sheep into danger. The whole flock goes off the cliff. There's a story about that where I think a thousand sheep in, in Jerusalem went off a cliff and they ended up falling on top of each other at the bottom of the cliff. So the, the last few sheep were padded by the pile of other dead sheep. Well, that's kind of how talented or untalented sheep are. They get scared and they're uncertain often. <clears throat> so... If they're alone, they go with what their sheep brain tells them to do. If they're with a group, they follow the group sometimes. Not such wise animals. And that's why they need a shepherd who restores their soul. With all the craziness and perils of this last year or so, year plus, we'll say, in the pandemic, the fear, the running, the escape attempts, the hiding, or just standing there in the face of danger not knowing what to do, the thirst, the hunger, the fatigue, and being coming tired of this whole pandemic thing. Can you relate to any of that? Do you run from things or go to the wrong things? Things you know aren't right and that aren't on the path of the Good Shepherd. Do you hunger and thirst? Do you get tired of trying to keep up or be like the other sheep? Or try to figure out things on your own? That's where we get in trouble sometimes. And we feel lost and alone at times. Maybe you do all the right things, in fact. And maybe you just get weary of doing all the right things all the time because you are on that path of the Good Shepherd. Well, here's some good news from the Good Shepherd himself. From John 10, 14 through 15. This is part of, what the, verse, part of the verse that Logan read. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In this passage, Jesus goes on with the sheep analogy, and the religious guys that are out there, they don't get it. They're like, why is this guy talking to us about sheep? What, what is it um, that he's doing? He's out of his mind, calling himself the good shepherd. But in truth, the good shepherd, Jesus, lays down his life for his sheep. And back in the day when sheep were, were penned up for the night, the shepherd would literally, in some cases, lay down in the gateway to the pen so that the shepherd would be the first one encountered when a predator came to devour the sheep. 
That way, the shepherd could stand up and protect the sheep with his rod and his staff. And that rod was often a straight, heavy stick that could be used to discipline or guide the sheep as well as to fend off predators. It'd be like a baseball bat, but twice as tall probably and twice as heavy. It was a defensive weapon in many cases, but it was also a rod for training in righteousness of the sheep, for disciplining the sheep. In fact, there are some times when a shepherd would hit the the hind legs of a sheep, and break the leg so that that sheep could no longer wander off if it was a wandering sheep. That was the kind of discipline some sheep would experience. Then the staff was a curved hook. That hook could be used out in the pasture to guide those sheep back. When they were in the other side, well, there weren't fences back in the day, but when they were in the wrong area, wrong zone, the shepherd could grab the sheep because if he got too close, the sheep would act scared and run away. But if he could get close enough with that crook and bring the sheep back into the fold, That's how he used the staff. What does a good shepherd do for us? Well, there's four R's, actually five, but we'll start with four R's that I want to talk about this morning. He provides resources for us. The first part of that verse that we all have memorized is, I shall not want. I have no lack of anything. I don't need anything because God knows what I need and he freely gives it. Maybe not in my time, but in his time, he freely gives it. Those resources. The good shepherd, he rests us. He gives us rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He knows when we get tired and thirsty and need refreshment, and he provides a safe place for us to rest. He redirects us. That redirection may be with that rod or that staff, and it may not be comfortable with that crook around us, our neck, pulling us back onto the path of righteousness, or that whack on the hind leg saying, hey, go this way, not that way, or come back to me. That's the redirection of the good shepherd. He gives peace and guides us, redirects us back to a place where he can meet our needs and provides us the guidance. And then he restores and rescues us. He refreshes, renews, restores our spirit even in the valley of the shadow of death. And notice it's not the valley of death, it's the valley of the shadow of death, because death has no power. It has a shadow that casts fear on us. But the death, death in itself has no power because it's a mere shadow because of what Jesus Christ has done. A fifth R that I might add is the overarching R. In fact, that is, there is a Redeemer. Sheep work is truly redeeming work. I'll tell you from my sweat over running after sheep. But here's where God takes a lowly sheep. When you see a pasture of sheep, there's hundreds of them perhaps. And you see all these little ones, they're cute and all that. But they're just another sheep. But God takes a lowly sheep who in the realm of a flock of a hundred others or more has no special value or special worth on its own, but to that shepherd is invaluable. In the eyes and the hands of the good shepherd, that one sheep is worth the shepherd's life. As a sheep herder that I told you I was back in the day, I watched lambs being born. And one time I noticed a newborn that wasn't thriving. Its mom had rejected it and would not nurse it, and the lamb was just left in the barn to fend for itself or to die. Well, I picked up that little lamb, wrapped it in a towel, and I took it home. And I'm sure my parents said, oh, what's this? Well, <laughs> I I promised that I would take care of it, and I found some sheep medicine that I could feed it through a bottle. I bottle-fed that little baby lamb, that lamb, and 
that lamb was literally wandering in the figurative valley of the shadow of death. Had I not come along and rescued that lamb, it would have died in the pasture or in the stall in the barn where it was born. We named this lamb Lucky. And Trisha knows the story. And Lucky lived his first year or so downstairs in our house where I also had my bedroom. So I had my bedroom. Lucky had the rest of the garage slash downstairs. Free run. That was a lot of fun to clean up until we finally penned him in there. But then eventually he got an outside pen where he could be outside like real sheep, real lambs. And he was always a good follower. He'd go crazy, bad, bad, whenever we came out with food or when we called his name. He'd even respond. He'd jump up in the air. He's kind of a spazzy little sheep. Reminds me of some kids I've had in school that just need that guidance, had a little extra guidance. But he had quite a personality. But he was also still a sheep. And eventually, like a sheep that forgot about its pastor, its shepherd's care, he literally got scared to death one time when a bunch of cows were stampeding near his pen outside. He died of heart failure. He just fell over and because he no longer remembered his, his shepherd's care. A sad but true story. Let's come back to that word restore. We heard, I heard that word so many times this morning, even before I came up here. The sound was restored. We're praying for restoration of health for Levi. Restore. There's a restore in Murphy's, right? Where they take old stuff and they give it new life. Well, that's kind of the theme right here that I just want to talk about for the last few minutes. When you restore something, for example, your iPhone, okay? When you restore your iPhone, you're restoring that iPhone to its original settings, to its original intended purpose that the developer or maker had for that phone. You've messed it up. Well, that's my story anyway. I've messed that phone up so many times. I, I need, my cloud is full or whatever they say, and I need to reset and restore that phone to get it back to its original condition, its original purpose, its original settings. That's what God, our great shepherd, can do for us. When you're tired of running around or worrying, thirsting for deeper meaning, longing for rest and restoration, listen to the shepherd's voice. And maybe that's not an audible voice that says, follow me, I'm the shepherd. But it may be words in a song, the lyrics of a poem. It may be something that someone has said to you, something you read. It may be a road sign, a literal road sign that you read. And that's one reason I pay attention to words and songs, because I believe they have meaning, and I believe God speaks to me through those songs. You've heard the testimony of so many of the worship band that talk about why a song is important to them. I, found, I find all songs, all Christian songs, are very important. When you listen to the words, you find the deeper meaning. And sometimes that gets you to a point of emotion, or to a point of, of really realizing that God is speaking to me through this song. He doesn't send me email, he doesn't send me text messages, but through this song, he speaks to me. And sometimes we try to restore or fix things on our own. Like if I tried to fix my iPhone, and it's probably just better off if I hand it to Guyver or Tyler and say, hey, you know, this is what I need, okay? Hand it to somebody that's, that's 14 to 22 years old, and they'll fix that phone, they'll restore that phone for you. So when we try to do it on our own and we don't have the knowledge or the power to do it, we can mess things up further. Or maybe somebody else has messed our, up our phone. We loaned it out and they've messed it up for us. We've still got to get it restored if we want it to serve its original purpose. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Only he knows how to restore. And when you're tired of running or worrying or thirsting for deeper meaning, longing for rest and restoration, listen to the shepherd's voice. Whether you not hear, you hear his voice, know that Jesus promises he hears your cry and will answer. He will restore your soul. 
He will give you a reset, a refreshing, redeeming new start. I want to do Psalm 23 again, that first half of Psalm 23, but this time don't just fill in the blanks with me. Listen for the resources, the rest, the rescue, and the redirection and restoration and redemption in this psalm. I'll just read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness, of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk in the shadow of the valley of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I urge you to memorize those words, if you haven't already, not in your heads, but on your hearts. Not like a catchy jingle or a pop song, or even like the Pledge of Allegiance, but etched in your hearts, dwelling on the words, the promise of the Good Shepherd, who He is, and how He restores, and how He guides you into His purpose. God, our Shepherd, never sleeps, never leaves us, and He knows exactly what we need. He never tires of tracking us down like the wandering sheep that we are and bringing us back close to Him. He never lets us walk alone in the valley of the shadow of death. And yet as a shepherd, he reserves the right to interrupt our plans. Don't like that part so much. Sometimes those fences get built where we don't want the fences. Or sometimes they change the location where the food they. He changes the location of where we get feeding and care. But as sheep, as followers, we know that our good shepherd has our best interests in mind, even in those changes in life. He restores our soul. He's always 10 or maybe 110 steps ahead of us, yet always nearby. He's got you covered. He makes a way where there is no way, and he's got your next big thing. Whatever that challenge in life is, it may be a loss, it may be a worry, it may be a relational thing. He's got that next big thing in your life. You just need to listen for his voice and trust him as your shepherd. And as I pray, I'd like to ask you if you can think of one thing that you'd like God to restore in your life, to set back, to reset to its original intended purpose. One area you'd like Him to fix up, clean up, and and take care of your mess. Pray that during this time as well. But let's pray right now as as we close.